Hey there, Shiro listeners, Saturn Dave here, reminding you that you must play Sega Saturn, and that it's contributions from listeners like you that help keep this and our other shows hosted and available on demand. In addition to our website, SegaSaturnShiro.com, where you can find all of the most up-to-date news and information from around the Sega Saturn scene. If you'd like to show your support and gain access to several perks, visit Patreon.com slash ShiroMediaGroup to become a Patreon supporter. If a monthly donation isn't possible, no worries. We still value your support in liking and sharing our content on social media and joining our Discord community to become a part of the Saturn conversation. Thank you for being a loyal listener and a part of this great community. And as always, The PC always bred a different type of game compared to consoles. Bored of collecting rings or one-ups? Why not try managing a city budget or scheduling park maintenance? At a time when Saturn games were still slow to release, PC ports came to the rescue that gamers never knew they needed. Welcome everyone to the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast. We are back um, to introduce to who all is going to be on the cast today. First of all, being installed currently from 12 diskettes, we have Dave Lee. Coming online through the 14.4 modem, we have Pandaman Nick. Joining us through an open port as a virus, we have Ben. Sorry, Ben, you're not really a virus. <laughs> Um, that sounds accurate. <laughs> being defragmented as we speak, we have our man Pat. And lastly, um, I'm not sure how I'm coming in. We'll just say through the uh, Canadian firewall, we've got myself, your host, Peter. So uh, welcome, everybody. Um, we're going to have a really fun cast today. The topic is going to be a little bit different than what we usually cover. But before we get into the topic, I just want to do a really quick uh, roundtable to see what uh, everyone's been up to lately. And Dave, if you're okay with that, I'd like to start with you. Sure. Uh, I've been up to a lot, so I'll try to compress it into a small space. I just got back from Yosemite with the family, so that was great. Lots of hiking, beautiful scenery. It really, really does make you feel small. And that was, that was excellent. But um, right before I left for Yosemite, I received in the mail a mega SD from our buddy Pat. He didn't need it anymore because he's got a mister. So I got this Mega SD, which does Sega CD FPGA emulation. And so, so I've been playing through like Rise of the Dragon and a few other titles that way. And also it works with the with the X-Band modem. So that's cool. Um, picked up some Edge file, you know, uh, Edge magazine. They had this series of like all the best articles just pushed into like these huge coffee table issues called File. So picked up a bunch of uh, like the whole run of those. And then also recently was practically gifted the first 10 issues of Dreamcast magazine, which was amazing because I was never really planning on collecting Dreamcast magazine. But now I'm like all almost all the way uh, to a set. So um, I think I'm going to keep going with that. Nice. And and lastly, just testing out the humble bazooka prototype of the Saturn Bluetooth receiver. Mm. which is phenomenal so far. It completely goes beyond any of my expectations, like build quality, how well it works. It's just almost automatic. And the analog for nights, P2 
Peter, you're going to be excited about this one. I'm using the Zen Pro or the the King the Gully Kit King Kong Two controller that has wireless or it has the magnetic hull sensors, and oh. um, and I kid you not, like it's as close to the real thing as I've ever. Like I'm really really shocked. I, I was not expecting it to be this good, but it actually is quite good. Maybe not one to one, but very close. Interesting. Okay, I'm very fascinated now. So, yes. yeah, definitely going to give that a try. It'll be out by the time this podcast is out. I think it'll be uh, out in July. So folks will be able to actually buy it. Yes. And, you know, to be honest, for context, this this cast is going to drop to the public probably mid-October. So oh, okay. I'm yeah, sure it'll, it'll it will have been out and everybody will know about it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but it's definitely. great. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Uh, ben, what have you been up to, sir? Oh, man. So uh, aside from, you know, working like crazy uh, on the game realm, uh, just like most of my friends right now, I've been playing a crazy amount of the new Zelda um, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, it's um, it's a really good game. And if you liked Breath of the Wild, this is something to definitely get into. And it's it, it's just a, it's really good. It's got like three levels to it to where you in the depths you're in the main surface, you're up in the air. Uh, there's just a there's a whole lot going for it. And uh, Megan um, has been playing it like crazy too. So we kind of fight over the switch over who's actually going to get their turn on this thing. And um, it, it seems to be something that's really taken up a lot of our time right now, but we're also kind of competing because we each are trying to beat the other to different areas or to uh, through different um, trials or whatnot. And so so we've both had a lot of fun with that. Um, aside from that, I've been working on my game room uh, down here, and it's a shame you guys haven't come over. It would make better sense if you're looking at what I'm looking at when I'm staring off to the right over here. And just the, um, the we're trying to update uh, to get a lot more things connected at once so you don't have to disconnect and uh, connect things up at different times. And... Um, we're mm-hmm. trying to do it in an elegant way to where it just doesn't look like a, a wiring mess. So that's been a lot of fun. And, uh, but mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, we've been just having a lot of fun over here and, uh, just getting some things updated and, um, yeah, playing some fun games. So I'm curious, there was a thing in the news not too long ago about how Nintendo is marketing the latest Zelda game. There's that commercial where, you know, this, you know, middle-aged guys on the bus, he comes home late, wife goes to bed, they hardly interact, and he kind of sits down, it's, you know, late at night, and he kind of gets into Tears of the Kingdom, and he's got this, like, joyful look on his face. I'm curious if you guys have seen that. It's just such a such an interesting way to market that game. That is odd, and no. <laughs> no, I haven't seen I haven't that. either, and now I'm really, really? curious. Oh, wow. wow. It's, I'm, I'm looking oh. that up as soon as we're done. That's so weird. I don't, yes, I don't like a, that. <laughs> don't it's like a that. very it like it, you know, uh, for, it just hits you right in the feels because you realize, oh shoot, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm middle aged. I am that guy. I am in the rat race, and you know what I mean. Like it just they really um, they hit a nerve. Let's put it that way, in a good way, of course. But you know, it was a it's a very very interesting ad for uh, Tears of the Kingdom. So um, yeah, um, Panda, what have you been up to? Well. Uh, I finished, as of this recording, I finished the bug video and uh, the, a new revised version of it, uh, mainly using a lot of the new research that that I found and, of course, the interview that 
you guys did. I was not present for the interview because of work at the time, but I think I wrote a couple of questions that we asked David Warhol. So anyway, that that video went uh, pretty well. Um, it's got over it 10,000 views. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I definitely appreciate it. Watched it, it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, I love to hear it. love to hear it. Um, but yeah, that was well received and it did better than most of my videos tend to do. Um, and I was surprised by that since it was like a, you know, a video I've technically already covered, though it went from five minutes of me not really doing a whole lot of research, no interviews, not getting past world one to, you know, I was actually beat the game this time, fair and square, mm-hmm. technically. Um, mm-hmm. When this episode drops, I will either be close to done with, maybe done with or almost done with the Sega Rally uh, episode. Yay. Um, yay. So I'm like <laughs> two thirds of the way through the script and I got a whole bunch of various clips that are edited on the timeline it's just yeah coming together very slowly the translation efforts are progressively moving on they're just moving on at a slower pace than say the translation efforts for the virtua cop video so it's it's just Mm. it is what it is rolling with the punches but uh, getting a lot of good stuff i will say it's impressive that saturn rally exists at all in its current state and that it came Mm. out when it did um i mean i just reading about it from the Japanese source material, they were very candid with their interviews with Sega Saturn magazine and some of the other outlets. And I mean, these guys had to have worked like months, you know, of straight overnights, like to get this thing out on time and in such high quality. Um, It's remarkable that this game exists. Um, I'll just say that more Mm -hmm. details to come. Uh, and that's what I've been playing. I beat uh, Spider-Man Remastered on PC. That game is perfect. Everybody who has a remote interest in Spidey definitely needs to play it. It was very, very, very good. Uh, Insomniac knocked it out of the park. Who knew the people that made the Flying Dragon game were able to make a good Flying Spider game? So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, go figure it. And then as for what I'm playing currently, it's been English Patchapalooza for Pandemonium. Uh, I've been playing Soccer to Wars and finally getting through that on Saturn. Um, been playing Stellar Assault, which, by the way, mission stick support alone is uh, a reason for anyone to play the Stellar Assault patch. And of course, mm. the English voice acting is very good. They, the team did a great job. And I'm also playing uh, Rent a Hero number one on Dreamcast. That was recently Excellent. patched to English. Yes. And yeah, the gameplay itself, like if you were to analyze the technical gameplay just by itself without any of the, you know, art and plot and stuff, you'd think it's kind of, you know, bog standard crappy not super well designed uh but just the sheer writing and the art style and the you know the story the very comedic story of this game uh makes it worth playing it's definitely one where you need to be able to read it to enjoy the full experience it's it's so funny and uh the way that everything is set up it's it almost has this like I almost wonder if it's like an anti-capitalist thing. <laughs> I don't know. It, it really kind of seems seems to trend that direction. And there's a lot of like jokes about the software development industry and game development industry that are just littered throughout the writing. And um, yeah, I, I think that if, uh, if you enjoy jokes, you should play Rent-A-Hero. I got a question for Nick. Uh, you said you're, you had just finished the Spider-Man Remastered. And um, I want to know if you're in the camp with the changes that they made to Peter Parker. Do you like the previous Peter Parker or do you like the new Peter Parker in the remastered version better? Great question. I did not know about the old Peter Parker until I beat the remastered game. So my mind 
has new Peter Parker uh, set as, you know, what I think this version of Peter Parker is. So I don't know. I, I've, I've looked at pictures and video of the old one, and I'm very surprised at how many changes they made. But I think, and this has got to be because of my bias for having never played the old one and having never seen it. I kind of am okay with the new one. I really am. I'm not personally bothered by the changes. Okay. Yeah. See, I feel like I'm in the same boat as far as your direction, but in the opposite side, like when I was playing Spider-Man originally, I, I got used to playing the old version, you know? And so that's the, the face and the voice that I was uh, seeing and hearing. And so when they changed it up, I was like, you just changed my Spider-Man. Yeah. And so it was a little bit of a different thing. But oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was totally curious when you had uh, said you were, had played through that, where you stood on that. Yeah, I, I think they might have tried to make him look more like Tom Holland, which seems like a, you know, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but it didn't seem necessary. I, but again, I, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll round out the introductions with me with just what I've been up to. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of gardening lately. I'm sort of really into it. Uh, Hell yeah. It's a very calming kind of thing. And I try to get it done as much as I can while avoiding the sort of random days of, you know, smoke. I realize by the time this cast is live, you know, you know, we'll be heading into winter and that won't be a thing. But it's just been a very sort of smoky uh, summer so far. Um, beyond that, just lots of adventures on my bike. Been really kind of getting into that. And... Uh, so a couple interesting things. I finally got a soldering gun and I've um, managed to fix a couple of my consoles with some very basic soldering. So I'm pretty proud of that, first nice. of all. And second of all, I've, um, so like you, Ben, I've, uh, you know, I try to have all the consoles that I use hooked up all at once and it's just a mess cabling wise. So I got myself a SCART switch box from the UK a really good one. And I thought, okay, well, even though that sort of helps with the cable management, I want somewhere tidy where I can kind of leave everything so it's still within reach, but, you know, at least tidied in some way. And so got myself a saw and a drill and some, you know, pieces of wood. And I've sort of built myself a little stand that just kind of leans against the wall a little bit. And I've got my, you know, power at the bottom and my SCART connections up at the top and everything's kind of neat and tidy. And that's another sort of new thing for me that I've not really ever tried out. And so it was really neat to kind of get into uh, woodworking. You know, I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I, uh, I did. It's certainly not the most awesome looking solution for power and AV, but it's still cool. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. And then uh, just on the game front, aside from playing the games that we're all going to be talking about shortly here, I've uh, really been kind of playing through uh, the original Genesis Sonic games. I've I've mentioned that before. It's something I come back to from time to time because they're just such easy pick up and play games. And mm -hmm. uh, it continues to amaze and surprise me that I keep finding new nooks and crannies and new sort of paths through all the different levels each and every time I play, like we're talking decades now after these things have been released, I purposely do not look up or consult any like level maps or any sort of guides or whatever. I never have. And I have, you know, made it a commitment that I never will because it's incredibly fun and fresh to find, you know, like, Oh, cool. I didn't know that you could go through this wall and Oh, there's a, there's a ring box. I didn't know that was there. It's just such a fun thing to experience, you hmm. know? Uh, cool. Even now in the 2020s that you're, you know, discovering new little you know, nooks and crannies and paths forward. So so that's been what I've been up to. And uh, and uh, yeah. 
Okay, so let's dive into the main topic that we're going to be discussing today, and we are going to be talking about early PC to Saturn ports. And so specifically, we're going to be talking about Magic Carpet, Theme Park, SimCity 2000, and Myst. So three of the four of these games were released in 1995 in North America for the Saturn. So they are, you know, sort of early in the Saturn's life cycle. And the the only one that was released later was Magic Carpet, and that came out in early 1996. So they are all fairly early from uh, the Saturn's life cycle, certainly within the first year here in uh, North America. And so we're going to kind of explore these games and uh, what they're like, how they potentially compare to their PC originals, and whether or not they're all a case of the Saturn at the time, you know, was it sort of still trying to find its identity and trying to port all of these uh, PC games over? Was it a question of, you know, hey, now we've got this uh, big, powerful 32-bit machine, look at what it can handle sort of thing? Or was it even just a case of, okay, we need some games, we need games now, and maybe it would have been easier or faster to just port existing games over than to build something from scratch although i suspect porting to the saturn is never an easy task but we'll get into all of that we'll go through all of that so i've sort of arranged the four games we're going to talk about in saturn release order in north america some of these titles uh released first in japan and then eventually in north america but sometimes it was the other way around where it hit us first and then went to japan later um so the first game that i want us to cover is mist a little bit of background about Mist. So the original uh, release on the PC was in September 1993. So uh, quite a while ago, it was a launch title for the Saturn in Japan in November of 1994. So it was one of the few uh, titles that launched with the machine. And it came out in uh, 1995 August in the West. And because it was out at the launch in Japan, I imagine it was probably a game that uh, you know, was being planned for the North American launch. And I wonder if it was one of those, you know, it was a casualty of being caught off guard by the early launch. So um, otherwise, because I can't see why this couldn't have been ready, um, you know, in time for launch. And to just right. kind of give a really brief overview of the game, it's, you know, it's a slideshow mystery adventure type game where you find yourself on a strange island and you've got a couple brothers that are stuck in two separate books and they're they're trying to get you to help them to find pages to complete their particular books. And without spoiling it, as you go on through the adventure, you visit various sort of locations or ages as they're called and you collect pages of these books and you have a choice at the end of the game whether to help one brother or the other or perhaps none at all. Um, and that's how the game unfolds. To your note about the launch, um, it was released on August 11th in North America in 1995. So that's a month mm. ahead of the previously scheduled Saturn launch of September 2nd, Saturn Day. So this absolutely is a casualty of the surprise launch. Um, right. This would have launched with Saturn if they waited till September. Yeah, and I can't, you know, honestly, unless it was a production scheduling issue or what have you, like there really isn't all that much to translate to bring it over from japan you know what i mean right. yeah. there's hardly any text at all in fact i'm trying to think now and i'm not sure that there's any text in any area of the game really i mean you know it's it, japan and north america are both ntsc systems so there's no like optimization you know to be done or what have you so you know it's, aside from potentially packaging in the manual and you know advertising whatever and then the actual production 
you know, it, it's, it's a shame because this could and potentially should have been a launch title, but this right. is how, you know, the dice was rolled on the Saturn and it came out in May and, and this didn't. So yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, uh, you know, why am I going to even ask you this question, Nick? Did you play this at launch? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just... Well, <laughs> I, I, if, if my math is correct, Peter, <laughs> I believe I was um, 10 months old at the time. So, no. So maybe you just don't remember because it's hard to remember it's, from that far back. Right, right? exactly. It in the womb. <laughs> it's yeah. technically, I mean, I, I was out. I was out, you know. Yeah, I, no, I was yeah. out in the wild, but. You had been released. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Saturn version could have been put in my hands and maybe I would have, you know, drooled on the D-pad and messed it up. <laughs> All right. No, I, uh, okay, so I'll that throw is... this question out to maybe uh, Ben or Dave if you guys had played this back in the day. Okay, well, Mist was on everything. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, Mist was like the CD-ROM seller uh, in the early '90s. It was the game that really forced people to go out and buy CD-ROM drives. You know, because before that, it just you know a CD-ROM drive was like a brand new thing, kind of cost prohibitive, and people needed a, a real reason, you know, to because they could still install software from floppy disks. You know, like you said in the intro, Peter. But I mean. You know, this really was a reason for folks to go out and get a CD-ROM drive. The rendered, you know, the graphic renders and stuff like that were really, really lush and really impressive. Um, So the game was just visually impressive, right? And it was also the kind of thing that you'd hear about at work or whatever. As a kid, I just remember seeing it everywhere. That's all, you know, because it was on Jaguar. It was on 3DO. It was on PC. It had been on PC and Mac and you name whatever else platform, you know, and so me personally, I remember going into my used game store when I was kind of thinking about getting a Saturn or getting getting a new console of my own. And on the left here, you had 3DO running a, a, a Mist. You know, it was it was running Mist. And then over here on the right, you had the Saturn running like uh, Alien Trilogy. You know, and I'm just a stupid kid. And I'm just like, well, that you know, the 3DO looks kind of boring with Mist over there. You know, <laughs> like the guy. At the game shop was like, oh, yeah, you, you can get a 3DO now because because nobody's buying them and they're going, you know, really kind of tanking, you know, but here, you know, here, check out Mist. You know? And I was then I played the the Saturn and it had like Alien Trilogy on it and it had Daytona and, you know, other games available. And I was just like, OK, I'm going to go with a Saturn. And I actually didn't get Mist for myself. My dad actually got it for me for Christmas. And when I opened it, I was like, oh, this game, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Not like, yeah, as a kid, it was just like not the kind of game that I because I I didn't know what to do. Like I had fumbled around with the controller, walked a few steps, read like a letter and was like, oh, this is like an adult game, (laughs) you know, not that kind of adult game. But, you know, it was like a kind of a game for accountants or something like that, you know. But then, you know, being a kid and having few games at my disposal, I played it on the Saturn and. Actually, my brother and I got real deep into it, as I've spoken with you before, Peter. It it's a, a deeply engrossing game, and it played really well on Saturn. So, you know, I'll I'll, I'll kick it over to Ben. I want to see what his experience was. Okay, so when I played this game, I played it when it came out on the PC, and I was also shown it on the 3DO as well when I would go into the game stores. And so, me and a friend of mine 
would just get hooked on this thing uh, because we're like, okay, what are we even doing? What are we trying to do next? This game is absolutely stunning compared to what has come out at that era. It was a really beautiful game. And what game can just bring you in or bring you back to it with just two notes or some of the other sound effects. Cause when you start the melody, if you, if you just start humming or hear na na, you know, that's mm. it. And uh, you know, and then like the, um, the book sounds that suck you in mm -hmm. or the, uh, the theme melody yep. for cyan uh, that was the developer at the time, all of this stuff, just what they were doing was pretty fantastic. Right. And um, mm -hmm. I remember hearing in an interview with the guys, the, uh, the Rand brothers, uh, that for some of the sound effects, they would uh, stick a straw in a toilet and blow uh, just to get some bubbly effects for some of the stages. The, the things that they right. would do just it, it's pretty fantastic and uh, <laughs> and despite yep. even getting into the game and what the game actually is it just it was something that was just very new and unique at the time and it even created its own genre of a following type of game after that and whether you th consider that more like walking simulators or you know um, first person puzzles or stuff like that all of them have their links to mist and that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, uh, I do have to chime in on the PC port just for fun. If you open the CD itself, there's actually some Windows media files and you can open up the Windows media files and see all the video clips for the game and kind of cheat your way and figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> we we actually oh, figured that out <laughs> into the game, so we didn't really figure out the solution exactly but we were like oh wait we could have figured it out this way too so that was kind of nice. funny so i'm assuming ben that you've seen the game from beginning to end like you've played through it even though you may have sort of you know cheated a little bit but you have seen it through from beginning to end oh absolutely we've played this game through beginning to end multiple times and when um Megan wasn't aware of this game. I told her she had to play it too. It's just one of those games that you have to play as a gamer. Nice. Agree. All right, I'm going to cut back to you, Dave. Did you ever finish uh, Mist from beginning to end? And the reason I'm asking one by one is this is one of those games that it seems like it was everywhere back in the day and that everyone yes. knows about it, everyone's seen it, everyone's played it, but arguably very few people have actually finished it. So I'm curious if you finished Mist. Yes. Uh quite a few times actually and i've played it on different platforms so i've i've finished it on a couple different platforms but the saturn was the first and actually most recent platform that i've finished it on yeah so okay it's 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 actually one of my favorite games on the saturn funny enough even no though it's not kidding. like a rally yeah like probably for nostalgic reasons and like the impact that it had on the industry and stuff mm -hmm. like that so it, it it has a lot of great importance to me even though i realize that it's not like pushing the console you know as much as other games or as impressive as other games you know so yeah i think that it it bears a lot of symbolic weight oh for sure for sure um i've personally finished it as well although i have to admit well, two things. First of all, the first time I played it ever was like in 2018 or 2019, something like that. Hmm. I decided uh, I was just new to Shiro at the time. And I thought, you know, I got to think of another article to write. And I thought, oh, I'm going to give Mist a try. Everybody's always heard about Mist, but I've never played through it. So I played through it for the first time just four or five years ago. And I did need to use a guide in several places uh, because I realized like, oh my goodness, this is a difficult game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's It's weird because... 
there's no enemies per se. You don't have items. There's no like you know health points or any other sort of in-game inventory management. There, it's it's literally just walking and solving puzzles. But some of those puzzles I found to be a little bit too obscure, and I had a tough time with it. So I did end up consulting a guide a few times, but I did make my way uh, my way through it. What about you, Nick? Have you finished the game? Have you played through it? Uh, yeah, I have. And I too used a guide, but it was a very well written guide that didn't spoil it. It just kind of gave you hints and nudged you into mm-hmm. the right direction. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it, but if you Google it, you'll find it. Um, I played it for the first time in it was either 2016 or 2017. And the Saturn version was the first, you know, version of Mist that I ever played. You know, I, I played it because it was on my review list and I got to it and needed to play it. That's simply put the reason why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talk about Mist being on everything. And, of course, I wasn't around when it first came out. I, mean, I was technically around, but I wasn't able to play it because I was, you know, a baby. But, um, like, a literal infant. But, uh, like, even in the early 2000s, like, late 90s, early 1000s, and a little bit beyond, it got remade and ported so many times to where I, you know, I, I did hear about it. Like, I had friends who had it on PC. I had friends who had, like, I think there was a remaster on PS2. And I even had a good close buddy who got a Nintendo DS port, if I'm remembering correctly, which plays exactly how you think it would. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. All those 3D. Mm-hmm. It was on 3DS, PSP, DS, and they were not great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, fun and, fact, though, about the guide. I just want to interject that I also used a guide and the guide, the Prima guide sold almost one to one with the desktop version of the game. Wow. So you guys are not alone. That guide it sold incredibly well. You can get it now on eBay for like a pittance because it's so common, you know? Yeah. Fun fact on the 3DS version is uh, there are two versions of the game made by, made by two different developers. No oh. way. Huh. <laughs> I did not know that. I had no clue. Yeah. I'm going to pull them off my shelf here in a second. But the 3DS version of Mist, there are two versions of the game made by two different developers. Are they like different as one better than the other nope they're basically the same thing hang on let me grab them (laughs) okay that is so strange wow wow that is that's a deep cut that i know know. yeah that's bizarre i just knew the 3ds version sucked (laughs) this is you know and i guess just to the point of the guides if you're going to play this without a guide you definitely need a notebook this is one of the few games out there where you need to take notes on everything Mm -hmm. that's going on classic pc gaming trope you know (laughs) have to write it write stuff down you know or is it like two different publishers or the two actual different developers yeah uh it's storm city games is on one of them and then empire interactive is on the other one hmm interesting yeah definitely i needed a notebook i needed that guide that was like just with little hints Mm-hmm. And um, I never like cheated all the way, but I did get play through to the end uh, for the mm-hmm. review. The thing I was really surprised about with the Saturn port is oftentimes with those ports from PC to console, especially at, in that era, there are moments where you feel like you're missing out a bit by not playing the PC version. Mm-hmm. And since Mist was made specifically to be ported to consoles, it was made with the intent to where they can easily port it to you mm-hmm. know anything. Mm-hmm. I did not have that feeling. I did not feel like I was missing out. Um, I think that having played it with the Saturn mouse, that probably helps, you know, that a little bit, but yeah, I, this is a very well done port. And I, if you're a, you know, big Saturn nerd and you've never played mist, this is a very viable port to, uh, be your first mist. Nick, can you comment a little bit on the, 
what was it, Sunsoft kind of going after Cyan and kind of being the catalyst that got Mist onto consoles, I think it was? Yeah, I, that, that's about right. What, what happened was is that Sunsoft told them that if they wanted to fit this inside the technical confines of a video game console without making the game like super duper dumbed down, um, you know, they needed to make it in this pre-rendered way. So these are, you know, gra like I'll, each slide is a, a set of graphics put together by, uh, I don't know if it was Soft Image or what. Hypercar. Oh, yeah. It was. It, it was some kind of, a, you know, really high tech at the time graphic system that you could never render on like an actual console. Mm -hmm. um, so they just took screenshots, basically, of these these renders. Right. Um, to, and, and I'm using the word screenshot here. I, they, they probably had a different, you know, technique than just like, you know, using a snipping tool or whatever the hell. Right. But and then use those pictures of the of the really complex, you know, 3D models to like stitch together the pathways that you can take pre-rendered cutscenes, uh, some live action that are, you know, designed to fit into these slides seamlessly. And that was kind of how they did it. Uh, the big issue here is that consoles don't have hard drives. They don't have as much memory and processing power as computers. And that, you know, wasn't necessarily, we say this nowadays and we, it, it makes sense to us because oftentimes gaming PCs will be built with like way more memory and graphics powers than some consoles. Um, but in the nineties, it wasn't necessarily always the case. There was some, you know, mirroring specs here and there, but it was, you'd still get like more processing power out of a computer in most cases. So they just they really needed it to fit and they really needed to design this PC game in a way that would very easily fit on consoles. And um, yeah, that was kind of what happened. Cyan and Sunsoft basically told the dudes like, bruh, y'all got to got to make this fit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a hypercard stack, actually, on, on the Macintosh, which was yeah. hypercard was just like a precursor to HTML almost. They made hypercard. They made like black and white hypercard adventure games. Very similar right through the manhole. Yeah. And uh Cosmic Osmo. Stratavision 3D was like a really old 3D animation and Photoshop 1.0 <laughs> to kind of clean up the images. That's how old we're talking, you know? Mm -hmm. it's crazy. Oh, and a fun fact, the Miller Brothers originally brought the idea of Mist to Activision. Um, mm. And uh, they said no. Um, uh, basically, they told them to stick with kids' games. Mm. Um there's an actual quote that isn't that, but yeah, that's kind of what they said. Cyan then teamed up with Sunsoft, and that's, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Uh, inside the Saturn Mist game is a video that you can access, a, mm -hmm. quite a long one, really, that kind of goes on. There's video clips by the Miller Brothers as they're talking. It's almost like a documentary-style video, and yeah. it goes on for quite a while, and it talks about the making of Mist. And I don't think it's specific to the Saturn version of Mist. I think it just is... Right. Related to the game overall, right? And mm -hmm. it almost looks like it was a, it, you know, Saturn video quality. It almost looks like a VHS transfer, to be honest. So, it, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure that this was made specifically for the Saturn version, but it's a cool little piece of history and it exists in the Saturn disc. So I'm really, really happy for that. I, I wish there was more of that sort of behind the scenes, the making of type of stuff that was included with games from back in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately there aren't, but, uh, but this one's really cool. So for anybody who owns the Saturn disc of mist, uh, it's something, you know, look up how to access that video. It's a cheat code or something, but yeah. I, I really recommend that it was, is really good. That video is, uh, uh, first off, Ben mentioned the, them putting a straw through a toilet to make bubble sounds. You see them doing that in that video. It's, it's right. really funny. And um, oh, just for video editing nerds, um, if I'm remembering this right, that was made with the very first version of Adobe Premiere. 
And that little mini documentary about Myst was um, like, it, it, it was almost like a demo of Adobe Premiere. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure there were other like, you know, demo videos they made to show off what Premiere can do. And fast forward, you know, almost 30 years now, Adobe Premiere has uh, become quite a standard in the video editing world. It's kind of overtaken Final Cut. Uh, the industry that I work in, it's a standard video editing software and the office that I'm in now uses it. I use it at home. And so, yeah, that documentary has got some video editing history in it. That's crazy. Nice. And fun nice. fact about that is that uh, my brother and I, we used to go to the we used to go to the grocery store to the uh, the magazine rack, you know, and there was the Game Pro and Game Fan and stuff. We go to the back of the magazine where they had like the tips and tricks or like the cheat codes, you know, and we'd be looking for any any kind of codes for Saturn that we could like scribble down or write on our hand and then take home and try out. Right. And Mist was one of the few Mist was one of the few games that we actually had that they had a code for. And it was like, oh, there's a there's a hidden making of movie that was like the only nice. code that you could really use on mist so we did we watched that thing like multiple times but it was fascinating and i i really became super interested in like 3d modeling and animation because of that uh some of that old footage of them modeling uh architecture and stuff like that in stratavision 3d but yeah it's it's a, it's a phenomenal game, really. It's it maybe is hard for people to look at now. Um, oh, it was huge. Kind of one of those like you had to be there uh, because at the time the context is everything, and it really was uh, very impressive back then. Now it's like you know you can kind of look at it in hindsight and and kind of take into consideration the context and the stories and stuff like that. But I mean to see it at the time, it was quite impressive. And you know, like I said, it it drove the CD-ROM sales and. There was that one, there was a puzzle at the end, basically. You could get through most of the game with like logic and reasoning and maybe a few peeks at a guide. But yeah. at the mm-hmm. end, there's this puzzle that is just needlessly difficult and it drags on forever, you know? And I wouldn't say that it's even difficult. Like you can figure out the hook and you're like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do, but it just drags on so long. And you and like Nick said, you almost have to like keep track of what you're doing on paper or something like that so that you don't have to start all over again you know because that can be kind of frustrating but but yeah so anyway the saturn is a great console to play mist on nowadays because in recent years i had gone back and wanted to play Mm -hmm. the pc version and i even downloaded it on gog you know which is a pretty reputable site they they package up old games uh that should be good to go you know for whatever pc hardware or or mac hardware that you're running them on and i still ran into issues where the game would crash like i'd get to the selenetic age and it would crash on me you know i would get like a quarter or halfway through the game and then i'd have graphics issues or or the game would crash and this is all under windows 10 of course i never had these issues under like xp um but but yeah so i mean i went back to playing it on saturn just because even though it's a lower resolution, it's a stable experience. You can play it from beginning to end and enjoy the experience. And uh, so, yeah, like I highly recommend it for that reason, at, at least. I uh, To your note about it, you know, perhaps not holding up as well today. Um, obviously, you know, back in the day you were clicking through the slides. There's a, been a couple of remakes since, uh, including one for VR. Uh, you can get it on an Oculus Quest and I'm sure mm-hmm. other VR platforms where you're not clicking through slides because nowadays you can fully render those out in the console hardware without problems. 
And so it's the same game. It's the same puzzles, the same worlds and the same adventure. It's just that you're moving through it in real time. And uh, playing through that in VR was, uh, you know, pretty remarkable. So there, there are many ways you can experience this game uh, without playing the slideshow version. And even still, the slideshow version is a ton of fun. Another way that you can play this game, if you don't like the slideshow version, uh, which is totally fine, uh, it's a good good way to play. But if you don't like that, uh, you can get Real Mist, which is either for PC, you can get that for Nintendo Switch. Uh, it basically mm-hmm. uh, takes out, kind of like Nick was saying with the VR version, it's just basically a first person walking around and you get mm-hmm. the motion between everywhere you go it'll be something a little bit more familiar uh think of it something like firewatch or something like that where you're actually walking there is something to be said though for the early 90s 3d aesthetic that the quote-unquote slideshow <laughs> version provides you know like um for example baroque is a really dark and gritty game on the japanese side of the saturn that got a remake on wii and PlayStation 2 and the graphics engine was completely rebuilt and while the game is the same game it didn't retain the same kind of ambiance and the same kind of dark gritty dystopian future kind of set setting you know it kind of lost some of that so and I and I'm familiar with the both the real mist and the VR version and I think that they're fantastic but they don't and and maybe it's just me maybe it's just because I have vivid memories of the original they don't really fully capture that vibe that same vibe personally you know but so i i think there's something to be said for playing the original if folks are into that you know i think a lot of folks are are kind of into like going back and visiting old games and kind of seeing you know what they were about so i think that folks should at least give it a shot you know so I'm curious, really, one of the few differences between the Saturn and PC uh, versions of Mist is resolution. So the PC ran at about twice the resolution that the Saturn game runs in. And I'm curious whether that made a difference for those that have played both the PC and the uh, Saturn, the Saturn port. Because really, again, you know, with the types of visuals that we're dealing with and the lack of too much sort of you know on-screen text to me it doesn't make that much of a difference i mean there is the odd time i guess you find the note mm-hmm. near the beginning of the game and i actually mm-hmm. found it a little bit tough to read on a tv screen playing on the saturn whereas on the pc it sure. comes across nice and crisp right but outside mm-hmm. of like little moments here and there i i didn't feel like i was missing out on playing you know mist on the saturn especially because i could use my netlink mouse to play it um mm-hmm. so i'm just curious if uh, if that resolution made a big deal to to uh to anybody any of you other than the notes yeah it looks fine fidelity is a bit a bit better you know it's like double the fidelity on the pc version but there's no pixel hunting you know like this Mm -hmm. isn't like one of those uh like if you're trying to play uh uh, sierra or lucas arts game on the half the resolution you know um some of those like pixel hunting quests where you're looking for a very specific item become very frustrating on uh crt you know whereas mist doesn't isn't really like that and so there's a few places where you need to press uh, click a button, you know, but they make it obvious enough that I don't think it's an issue. So, yeah, I, I've actually I played through Mist in the past couple of years and Jesse sat beside me and uh, it was an enjoyable experience, though. He said that the game was scary. He, he thought the game was scary. And I thought that yeah, it, I interesting. <laughs> before we move on, we should just talk about that because technically you're alone on this island, right? And I was like, that's interesting that you think this is scary. That means that your imagination is working full throttle. You know, like you're 
it's your own imagination that's making it scary because there's really nothing there's no outside you know uh, stimulus or, or any kind you know like there's nothing there you know for you to be afraid of but I, it's what's not there it's what could be there right it's, it's got some eerie vibes i mean you're alone right. on the on this series of islands there's no one around you the only people you're talking to are like your brother's trapped in books and i think there's even like a couple of rooms with I don't know if it was like weird BDSM kids or whatever, but there were some like dungeon esque <laughs> like weird rooms, and like the music yes. that's playing is very Twin Peaks, right? Like it has that yes. sort of vibe to it. It's it it can be a spooky game. I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gave him nightmares, and I was like, so what were you afraid of? Like, what was wow. it? Was there a mon- monster or something? And he was like, and I, I guess he just thought that at any moment something could pop out at you right or something could oh, yeah. happen oh yeah and i got, never, that, I got and, that feeling when playing it Absolutely. i mean i guess spoiler to folks is like i don't want to say it never does stuff happens in the game but i mean it's not that kind of horror it's not that kind of scary game it's more scary because of what you imagine you know uh rather ver- versus what's actually there you know but you're right i mean yeah the brothers in the books that's pretty creepy they, they try to seduce you over to their side, you know, or get, get you to, well, not seduce, but like get you to feel sorry for them. Right. You know, I, I think it's funny that the, the two brothers are a plot point when it's a game made by two brothers, like the two brothers directed it. I wonder oh, if yeah. there's some personal anecdotes put in there. Well, and they <laughs> act the parts, you know, they actually yeah, play exactly. the parts. Yeah, it's great. It's great. That is yeah. fantastic. I actually didn't know that they were the ones that did the, the little serious and Aconite. I did not know that. Yeah. And and uh Rand also does uh Atris. Ah. Uh yeah, so he kind of double he has to do two different parts. All right, just to wrap up Mist, I'm gonna go one by one and just ask whether you guys think that Mist is a game that Saturn owners should try out today. And I'll start with you, Ben. Yes, I absolutely believe any Saturn owner should try Myst. It's not only inexpensive to get as far as games in the Saturn library, it's also a good game to play. And if you've never played it, it's something that you really need to get into to get uh, Mm. the breadth of where a lot of games origins came from. Yeah, absolutely. And the Saturn version really holds up. I recommend starting with, you know, if you want to play it, start with one of the slideshow versions of the game. The Saturn version does really hold up. It's a viable port. If you can't, if you really cannot get past the slideshow aspect, then try one of the newer versions of the game where you can roam around Mm -hmm. in first person. I think folks should try it regardless of the platform that they have. Save for like DS or 3DS, unfortunately, or PSP. None of those handheld ports really did it justice from what I understand. Um, but I mean, if you have a 3DO, it's great. PlayStation, my dad bought it on PlayStation after I got it on because I liked it so much on Saturn. And he was like, well, I'm going to try it. And instead of play it on my Saturn, he like got it on his PlayStation, you know, so you can play it on the PlayStation, the Jaguar. You could play it on a, a ton of different CD32, I think, got a version of it. But the point is, it's a great game. Folks should definitely try it out. And like Nick said, it plays very well. It's a very solid, stable release on the Saturn. So, and uh, getting a long box even today could be done for like, I don't know, 10 bucks, maybe it's 15 affordable bucks for it's, sure. Yeah, it's a very nice game. And again, this is a game that that I was like looking down on when I got it, opened it up on Christmas morning. I was like, why'd you get me this, dad? <laughs> like this, mm. this is a game for old people, right? And then of course, like my brother and I were, completely transfixed and played through the whole thing so we loved it excellent and yeah and just to round out with me 
I'm just going to say this. Look, folks, if you're just getting into the Saturn, then go back and listen to our episode about Virtua Fighter 2, Virtua Cop, and Sega Rally, and maybe start there and eventually make your way to Mist. But if you've kind of been around the gaming scene and, you know, you're looking for something different, something that has a lot of history behind it, uh, that's, a, that's a really good game at its core, but that is different from most of what you're going to see on Saturn, then definitely pick up Mist uh, and, and pick up a mouse. It's a very authentic uh, experience that way. So yeah, that, uh, that's the end of that for Mist. Let's move on to the next game we're going to talk about. And for this one, we're going to go back to the future a little bit because we're going to talk about SimCity 2000. So SimCity 2000 had its original PC release in 1993. And it came to a variety of consoles with the Saturn being the first one to receive a port, which materialized in October of 1995. So even by the time of the Saturn port, the year 2000 was still in the future. It's just so weird to say that, you know, where we are today, because of course it's far in our past. But uh, but yeah, SimCity 2000, for those that don't know, don't know, is essentially a city building slash management simulator. You pick a, a piece of land or some terrain, you can have it um, automatically generated with, you know, hills and valleys and rivers and lakes and whatever. And you, you know, sort of build a city. And as your city grows and as you're building it, you have to, you know, manage things like power and transportation and roads and all kinds of stuff. And so it can be a very sort of deep and involving sim. And, uh, you know, it's it's it was definitely a game that on the PC was very, very well known, or at least the SimCity, not necessarily the 2000 version, but just SimCity in general as a franchise was very, very sort of well known uh, on the PC back in the day. So again, you know, I'll start off, we'll do the rounds to see, uh, and I, I won't start with you, Nick, because I know where you were when SimCity 2000 <laughs> came out on the PC, but uh, we'll shoot right, over to right, Ben right. and uh, and see if, uh, Ben, did you play this game uh, back in the day? Oh, you know it. Oh, my goodness. SimCity 2000. Okay, so the first time that I had ever gotten exposure to the, the SimCity 2000 was uh, actually about a year later uh, because um, me and a friend of mine, we had been playing the original Warcraft Orcs and Humans and uh, not World of Warcraft, not any of that. It was actually the first Warcraft and uh, we were just loving that game. And so what we were doing after that is we were trying to find something that's what's also kind of grid based and, uh, you know, has that kind of build up uh, mentality to it. And so we found SimCity 2000. And um, so we got it at a great price because, you know, it had been out for a little while. And uh, so we give it a try. And this game is absolutely fantastic. Each of us are building our own version of our cities. Uh, we're dealing with the natural disasters, which are a lot of fun to deal with. Then we'd call each other and uh, explain or describe our city landscape and how this thing looks. And like, well, you put how many nuclear reactors right there in the middle? What? And um, and so this was a really fun game. We We really had a blast with it. 
Excellent. Actually, yeah, now that I'm listening to you talk, I'm remembering there can be disasters and earthquakes and all kinds of stuff. And I even think that there is like a Godzilla monster that, that can show up and like wreck part of your city, if I'm remembering correctly. I think Godzilla so. was I... in the first SimCity 2000. Mm -hmm. has like an mm -hmm. alien spaceship yeah. yes, and blast was... your shit. UFO right. was fantastic. Oh my god. Yeah, and the first SimCity was like the top down, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for, for correcting me on that. No. Um, okay. Dave, did you, did you play this on PC back in the day? I did. Uh, well, so I might catch a little flack for this, but um, I was never a huge fan of the Maxis Sim games. I'll tell you why. Well, uh, a friend of mine back in the SNES days, he kind of convinced me to trade do a trade with him my copy of bulls versus blazers with his copy of sim earth which i'll be honest with you sim earth is kind of a a slog it's like a, it's just really boring on the snes if personally if you ask me maybe some people like it but that was my introduction to the sim games um never played the first sim city but then my girlfriend's dad who was a cpa he actually was an accountant and he had it he had sim city 2000 on on their like new windows 98 pc or maybe it was Windows 95, I'm not, I can't remember. I would dink around with it on the computer there and kind of mess around with stuff. And it, it, there were some cool things like the disasters and, and stuff like that. I never really got too far into it because to me, it was kind of like watching paint dry, honestly. <laughs> like I, it was not, so like it's not for everybody, I, I don't think. Like a lot of folks have great experiences with Sim City. But for me, it was just not my kind of game. And I did play it on the PC. So I can say that, you know, it ran really well on the PC. They had like mm -hmm. a really fast computer and it ran, ran really well. But I just remember, yeah, I just remember Marty, uh, my girlfriend's dad, like playing that game all the time. Yeah. So he was like really into all the simulation of like taxes and law enforcement and all the different stuff, you know. But to me, yeah, it was just not my cup of tea. Yeah, and see, for me, I, I did play SimCity on the PC, but I remember it was just a huge time commitment, which, of course, I had an abundance back then, so that was not an issue per se. But if SimCity was a new game that had just been coming out on PC right now today, it would be difficult for me to uh, put the amount of time into it that I think the game requires. You know, it's not something mm -hmm. that's... It's not Sonic the Hedgehog, where you play through a level or two, and then you're satisfied, and you're done, and you can move on. It's not quite like that and I realize you can save and come back to it or whatever but it, it like you need to really kind of involve yourself quite deeply in it and you know I'm not not sure that today that that would be possible but but back in the day I sure did I I definitely got uh, got into it and it was a fun game I didn't mm. have a PC until quite a bit later but oftentimes when I went over to see family or what have you uh, one of them would have uh, SimCity on PC and I'd, I'd sort of mess around with it so I, I I didn't you know play it fairly regularly because of that, but it was still a it was a fun game to uh, uh, to get into. Um, Panda, I'm gonna switch over to you. I know you didn't play this back in the day, but I know you also right. did a lot of research about the Saturn port. So yes, do you want to just maybe talk to us about the process of bringing it over to Saturn because it was the first port that came over to consoles. Like I think PlayStation followed and Super NES followed, but Saturn came out first. I believe that's right. Yeah. I, when I interviewed Peter Molyneux and Paul Kirchin, Peter Molyneux, of course, is the guy that did the theme park, Dungeon Keeper, etc. Paul Kirchin is the guy that did the Saturn port, one of the guys that did the Saturn port of SimCity 2000. They both said that uh, getting PC games ported to Saturn was a big strategy from Sega. It was a very cheap way to get really popular games on the console early. 
And, um, you know, funny thing is with Myst in both, you know, Myst in 2000 here, these are both games that people who aren't gamers can get really into. Like you, mm-hmm. you find a lot of just people who are, you know, maybe they're not a video game person, but they really liked SimCity or they really liked Myst back in the day that you're going to find that a lot with these games. So getting these ported to Saturn is a very good idea from a financial standpoint. Uh, as for SimCity, you know, Will Wright, big name in the video game industry. Anyone who's played The Sims knows why. He did right on Bungling Bay. That was his first game for Commodore 64. And he found that the map editor that he made to design the game was more fun than the actual game itself. So that's what started the concept of SimCity. Technically, they finished it in, in like the mid 1980s, but no one, no publisher would take the game. Um mm-hmm right up until 1989 it took like three four years for a publisher to be convinced that this game would be a good idea and of course it was a good idea it sold really really well so they make a sequel they make SimCity 2000 that also does great and then you know Sega offered Maxis some giant amount of money to make a Saturn port that's where we find Paul Kirchin one of the developers who I was fortunate enough to be able to speak with he and a few of his buddies made a SimCity 2000 mod where you can take a SimCity file and have robots, giant mechs, essentially get plopped into the city and fight on, like, on the city that you designed. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this mod, you know, it, it doesn't exist online. You can't go and download it. This was all on floppy disks that they made, and he has a couple of the floppy disks that show like demos and stuff, and like maybe some game files, but none of them work anymore. They're all dead, which is super unfortunate. But they made this mod and Max has caught wind of it. And, uh, you know, nowadays you hear about that and you're like, oh, gee, they're going to get a cease and desist. No, Max has hired them. And they're like, you can't do Simbots, but you can make this Saturn port. That'll actually make us money. And so like, all right, cool. So they get down to it. One of the biggest obstacles was processing power. On PC, you've got, even back in those days, PCs had considerably more processing power than most home consoles. And uh, with the Saturn, obviously it had the dual processor, but Kirchin and his gang could not get past the um, fact that it's two processors operating on the same bus. You can almost describe it like the two processors have to work like trading turns, tag teaming, kind of like they're playing a game of tennis. They can't both be you know, gunning at the same exact time because they share the same bus. Another big obstacle was that most of the dev kits that people got, they were only able to debug one processor because the of the amount of money it costs to get a debugger for both details about that are in the virtual racing video I've made. You can dig into it there. So they had to like really fight to get this game to fit on Saturn and get it to run. Well, one of the things you'll notice right away, if you play the Saturn version and you've already played the PC version is how slow it is. It takes a giant amount of time for processes in your city to actually happen. And you can comically, you can set it to like, I think cheetah speed or whatever, but it will still drag on and slog. And the bigger your city gets, the slower things operate and the more framey it gets. Like your frame rate will noticeably drop. Turns into yes, mist. Exactly. Right? It's like a slide. Exactly. Yeah. Virtual. God forbid a fire. God forbid a fire break. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Like literally I've had it get down and I'm not kidding. I've had it get down to two or three frames per second. This is no exaggeration. Oh my God. I, I've counted oh like, God. you know, especially if you zoom out on a big city, if you zoom all the way in and you're really up close and stuff, even on a big city, you'll probably be okay. But if you zoom all the way out and like put a whole bunch of stuff in there, I mean, you are going to get like lower end single digit frame rates. This is ne- like two, two, three frames per second is not a joke. That's actually what it can, what it can get to. 
but they, I mean, they got it, they got it running. A lot of the load screens, the initial load screens, there's a big load, loading screen at the very beginning when you start a city that literally takes like a minute or so. And like, mm-hmm. you, you have time to go grab a snack or whatever, maybe even finish eating it by the time your stuff loads. And when you save a city, here's a, here's another fun part about the Saturn port. When you save a city, it, it, it takes a while and it takes up the entirety of your internal system memory. Like yes. I'm not like oh. every single block. No exaggeration. All 461 yeah. blocks of your internal memory will be taken up by one, a, a single Sim City save file. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's like one city. And <laughs> the box for the game says memory cartridge, highly recommended somewhere on it. Right? Highly yeah, recommended. It's, it's yeah. very yep. much needed. They uh, had to do tricks to get it to work right on the processor, wherein there's a process on one cell, like one square. You know how the SimCity is mapped into little tiny squares that you can very much see. Like, say, like a pollution value happens on one square, they would instead make it so that it happens on the surrounding four squares, so it's fewer things for the processor to think about. Things like that. They would they would do things like that, little tricks to keep the to keep the the game running. And um, they would also do things where those minute values of your city of each little cell uh, will regenerate when you load a city. They won't actually go on a save file for your city. They will regenerate and reprocess when you load it again. Uh, One example of this Mm. is if you get past the year, I don't remember, 2100 or something like that. There's a certain year in the game where when you get past it, all of your buildings become futuristic. Mm. If you save that city and load it again, you will notice that all those buildings will load in as their old buildings and take an entire sim cycle to regenerate into the futuristic buildings. Things like that happen. Um, And that was to keep, you know, they had to do that to fight to be able to keep the city's ability to save on your internal memory, even though it's taking up every single block of memory. And the the last thing I'll note here from from, from Paul Kirchner, and I've yet to accomplish this, you can actually get a city to a point where it's so complex and so big that it's no longer capable of being saved to your internal memory. The game will give you an error screen saying, yeah, you can't do this. That was a big problem that they had. The testers kept breaking the game and they would dial it back in more and more and more until it got to an acceptable rate. But yeah, to this day, you can still break the game and make a city that's too complicated to save. Which if you persisted for that long, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to get to there, then you have a lot of you patience. Earned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. So I'm going to say that the uh, at least the North American SimCity 2000 Saturn manual does talk about saving the game to you know either internal memory, external like cartridge or or an external device, right? Which yes. would mm-hmm. you know right. ultimately end up being the floppy disk drive, and it does seem to work in emulation. So you know there's there had to have been some sort of coding done to be able to account for any future external memory device that would have potentially been released by Sega. Unfortunately, the floppy disk drive and uh, SimCity 2000 don't talk to each other, so so there's no compatibility. But right. it's interesting that even back then, I mean, this would have been a really early Saturn game that there was some sort of provision made for, you know, for future memory devices that just never sort of materialized. So I, I found that kind of neat. They had a prototype floppy drive, but it had a really hard time getting it to work. It was like a jiggle the cable just right and maybe it'll work sort of situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Okay. I, I just, a, a quick question. Do you guys think like, okay, so Nick, you were saying that there was a strategy there for Sega to bring over, you know, big PC games over to the Saturn because it was cheaper. It could be faster, whatever. And that makes perfect sense. 
But I don't, so two things. Number one, I don't see SimCity 2000, Saturn SimCity 2000 as being like this system seller, killer app, you know, oh my God, we got to get SimCity 2000 on the Saturn type of thing, firstly. And secondly, do you think that a game like SimCity 2000 is really all that well suited to the Sega Saturn? I personally found it difficult to play on the Saturn. There was just, like, you could just feel the need for a mouse and a keyboard that, yeah. that wasn't there, you know? Um, the resolution that would have given you, you know, all that small stuff to look at, including including on-screen writing, just wasn't there. Like, there, it just seemed like a like ultimately a poor idea to bring it over. And I'm maybe I'm am I being too dramatic? Is that a fair assessment? If I could swing to to Ben first on that one, yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. It, when a game requires to a certain degree a mouse and you don't have the option to use one on the system like the Saturn, uh, then that really hinders the um, the playability of the game. And SimCity is a victim of this. Like. Uh, Mist, on the other hand, while you don't need a mouse, you also don't really feel like you're hindered by not using a mouse. But SimCity, on the other hand, you really kind of need to have that ability, as well as having the speed that a PC would be able to provide. And that that really makes it a little bit more difficult to play on the Saturn versus, uh, say, for uh, example, a PC. I think that the processor speed is the logjam. And I think Paul Kirchin kind of attested to that, too. By the way, it's a single processor Saturn game. They did not use both. They fought hard to get this to work at all, and they had very poor work conditions. I think it could have been better if maybe they had a development kit sent to them when they actually started making the game. They instead had to wait, I think mm. it was like six months maybe even to, to before the development kit even arrived. Paul Kirchin sent me the, the label for the development kit that I, I'm looking at now. Um, but it says that their dev kit was finished being manufactured on October 18th and it wasn't sent to them. Like it takes like weeks and weeks for that to ship over from Japan. And they started development in like it was either June or July of that year in 1994. So they, you know, were, were given very crappy work conditions <laughs> to get this done. And I feel that if they were able to, you know, have a proper dev kit from the get go, maybe a better C compiler, maybe a better, you know, better, better tools, um, this port would have been better. It would have ran well. And I, Paul Kirchin agreed with that when I asked him that very question. The other thing is that it reviewed really well. The Saturn port reviewed well in magazines. I think people were just happy to have SimCity at home at all. And I don't think very many people cared about the fact that it was slower Maybe they noticed it, but they were they were more noticing the fact that, oh, hey, SimCity's on my home console now. This is fucking sweet. And that's really all they cared about at the time. So then I wonder if this is a case of, you know, back in that 95 time frame, not a whole lot of people had PCs in their homes, you know? So this was a, this was a way to experience some of the the sort of best gaming experiences on the PC, which at the time were quite a bit different than what you could get on console, right? Um, and this was a way to sort of, start that crossover where it's like hey i, I can't really afford a five thousand dollar pc because that's roughly what they would have been back then i'll buy myself this four hundred dollar saturn and i'm going to buy a copy of SimCity 2000 because i saw it at you know my much richer friend's house and i want to play it like maybe it was a case of that because i don't know now like looking looking at the game now i wonder if it was actually a good port I realize that, you know, they put a ton of work to to make it work. But if I were to have to, like, say, close my eyes and pick the one Saturn game that is most likely to crash on you, I'd probably pick SimCity 2000. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah. they were able to add in 
new 3D models for the buildings that, you know, you can pick, click on a building and it'll show you like its info. And there's like a little 3D model of it that spins around. Right. They did not have that on PC. Yeah. That was something they put in Saturn. No. And uh, there's a few little things like that that are new um, that are really cool. And the new, uh, they, they redid the soundtrack too. Same melodies and everything, but different instrumentation, CD quality audio. And the Saturn soundtrack for SimCity 2000 is probably one of the best uh, of all the ports uh, for that reason alone. And here's another thing. Southern Sega gentleman is a example of a guy who played this back in the day and loved it. I mean, he, it, he, I think he still says that the Saturn port of SimCity is one of his favorite Saturn games. And I think Peter, maybe your point of like, well, people just, maybe they didn't really have a whole lot of PCs back then, or people just didn't mm-hmm. care. Like Southern Sega gentleman, good old Sam wise of the South. I think he's a human example of that. So all of the games we're talking about today uh, were available to check out at my public library. Funny nice. enough. And um, as a kid who didn't have a lot of money and couldn't just readily buy Saturn games, you know, my brother and I exploited that fact. <laughs> Any game that was available in our library system, we would check out. Right. So even a game like Sin- SimCity, which I admit what was not my cup of tea, having ha- even had played it on at my friend's, you know, my girlfriend's house on their PC. I still checked it out, you know, because I was like, okay, I'm going to check out any Saturn game that's available, you know, we'll, and I just, it just took out any kind of fun that was there that, that I could have had, you know, like there was no mouse support. It was incredibly slow. I didn't, I don't know, as a 16 year old, I didn't have the patience to sit there and wait for, you know, things to, to render, to process, to process the Saturn, you could tell it was having such a hard time crunching, you know, the numbers and, and which it it played like 60 frames per second or whatever on, on PC. It was just like practically instantaneous. You know, you do something and you get an, uh, an effect immediately, you know, whereas on the Saturn, it was just, yeah, it was really tough. You know, you'd take uh, something like water lines and you'd have to pull it down and create roads, you know, you'd be creating a road or you cre- creating a conduit or something like that. And it, it was just, it chugged so much. Um, yeah. If a fire broke out, then just forget it. All bets were off. Cause the thing would just tank, you know, the, the frame rate would tank, you know? Mm. So it was just one. I remember I, I checked out briefly, my brother and I tried to play it. We didn't enjoy it and we took it back and that was pretty much it. And that was back then. I mean, nowadays it's even yep. worse. Like I have even less time and patience to sit through that. So, I mean, if it comes down to like what I recommended, I would definitely recommend folks play the game on the PC and decide if you're like a SimCity kind of person. Cause if you are, and it sounds like a lot of you guys are like, then totally you'd enjoy it on the PC, but you know, it, it isn't that I don't like Sim games. Like there's another Sim game we're going to talk about that I absolutely loved but but the thing is i just didn't like the premise of city management i was just like eh, i'll leave that to somebody else you know because it's just not my cup of tea i i will say anecdotally speaking like because of that because of the fact that we kind of just had to play whatever we could get our hands on i did experience games like croc for example which is which can also be somewhat frustrating at times but like we still had enough fun. We got enough fun from it that we were able to like persist with it and get through it uh, versus something like this where we were just like, this is just an exercise in frustration. So, yeah. See, and I think I really enjoyed SimCity on the PC and mm. I I struggle with the Saturn port. Like I appreciate what was done to get it running. I appreciate all the sort of little bits and bobs that are extra to the Saturn version. I think too, 
if um, like when once you get your city to be the in the futuristic state, like I think one of the buildings is actually a little Sonic statue. So that's a cute little Saturn yeah. exclusive feature or whatever, right? So I, I appreciate it for what it is. But unlike a game like Myst, which arguably is also a window into into time in the past and all that, you know, this is that as well, but it is not nearly as enjoyable for me. But that said, would it really be that, that easy for me to track down a copy of SimCity 2000 for the PC and try to get it working on a modern PC? Like that would probably be just as challenging, right? So to me, this mm-hmm. is like one of those games that sort of sits out there in in the in no man's land you 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 know you love the base game and you want to love the saturn port you can see what went into making it and and producing it and to make it as good as it could possibly be but it is for me for me as as a, as a gamer it is borderline unplayable and and maybe that's being a little harsh i don't know because to your point nick it you know the game did and i i, I looked at this the game did receive very favorable reviews throughout uh you know it's a retail run so right. mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. there was something there you know that that worked for people and and folks like sam who totally enjoy it now and you know ben you mentioned it i i kind of mentioned it too it was great on pc maybe not the best on saturn and, and yet some folks loved it you know love the saturn port specifically you know and i kind of have a little bit of resentment for this game because that same library copy right okay yeah. because it forced me to delete my nights, my highest night score, oh, <laughs> like, and my a life data. So, like, oh, yeah, like, we, we, like oh, I had God. my a life data and I had my nights save, and it, I, I did better. You know, I, I went on to do better anyway. So happy ending. But, but yeah, we were like, okay, fine. It like wants me to do, completely clear my memory so that I can, play, you know. And we did it, and then like my brother and I looked at each other like, this game sucks. <laughs> Why did I delete all that? Yeah, so like I kind of resented this title for a while because mm. of that. It's got a really thick manual, though. Hey, like oh, it's, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> manual. That's right, baby. Oh my god, yes, that's a lot of pages, and it's got a typo too. Fun fact, I think. uh and one of the one of the, two of the icons are swapped around. They had plane and train mixed up. I think you'll have to look. But yeah, there's for sure the PAL manual must be like really thick. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh, with all the languages, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I just want to do a real quick roundtable and see whether you folks recommend that people play SimCity 2000 today. And I specifically oh. mean the Saturn port. Like, is this a oh, game oh. that you think folks should play today? I, it's really one of those, for me, it's nostalgia. So I enjoy taking a little trip down nostalgia lane. But as far as SimCity 2000 goes, it's kind of like your Final Fantasy people. Do you, if you like the newer Final Fantasy games, do you recommend playing the older NES versions? And to a lot of people, they just don't really get into them that way. And I feel like with SimCity 2000 for the Saturn, it's kind of like, you know, 3000 is better than 2004 is better than 3000. So should you really get back to the 2000 with all the issues that it has on the Saturn? Uh, I, I'm kind of tending to know there's some other games you can play and unless you're just nostalgic for it. Okay. That's, that's fair. Um, Dave, I don't think it's fair to the game. Honestly, I think if, if there is a bunch of wonderful stuff in this game for folks to potentially enjoy and, and resonate with, I don't think it's fair that the Saturn game does it justice, unfortunately. So I don't really think that folks should punish themselves like that. Very interesting take. All right, Panda, what about you? No, just the short answer. 
No. <laughs> if you have never played SimCity and you want to play SimCity 2000, go on GOG, pay like the it's like five mm-hmm. bucks or whatever. Any computer can run it really, right. really well. Try it out. You'll have a blast. It'll run fast. It'll be great. Don't play the Saturn version if you've never played SimCity 2000. Just don't. Don't do that to yourself. You'll hate it. You'll never play it again. If you are a SimCity nut and you're a big fan of the series, look into the history of how the Saturn version came to be. You will be fascinated by its story. Try it out strictly from a historical viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, Nick's documentary is probably the best thing going, but not to just <laughs> fluff up your ego or anything. But I mean, seriously, if you want to if you want to experience SimCity on the Saturn and you want some context, watch Nick's video because that pretty much gives you a good helping of you know everything you need to know. And then go play play it on the PC, like he said. So all right, and then just to round out the recommendations, I think I'm going to have an interesting sort of view on this. So, um. I think if you're middle-aged and you have a job or you have hobbies or a family or pets or whatever, things to sort of occupy your time, probably don't don't try to play the Saturn version of SimCity 2000. But if you're retired and, you know, you've, you've got days where you're trying to fill <laughs> with time and you've got, you know, sort of patience to and your choices are like do i watch the paint dry or do i play some city 2000 you know at that point maybe give it a try so i'm wondering how like 70 year old me would feel about some city 2000 because i can't help but feel that reviewers and gamers back in the day really enjoyed it i can't say i recommend it for you know if you fall into that mid-age sort of group but maybe if you're retired give it a shot you might like it so <laughs> so that's uh, that's sim city 2000 Continue on. The next game on the docket is Theme Park. So this was a bullfrog game. Uh, the original PC uh, Theme Park came out in summer of 1994, in June specifically. The Saturn release was late October 1995, so it came just a few weeks after uh, SimCity 2000 did. The theme Park is exactly what you'd think it would be, so you were trying to build and manage a theme park. So you know, you have to pick a location in the world somewhere where you're going to build your park. Initially, I think you can only start in the United Kingdom. It's the only park that costs you nothing to to buy the land or the space or whatever. But eventually you can branch out and, and buy plots of land elsewhere in the world and build your theme parks. Uh, so you've got your plot of land and, you know, you build concession stands and rides and you have to hire, you know, maintenance guys and gardeners, etc. And, it, you know, very similar to SimCity, you've got to mind your budgets and so on and so forth. Um, a couple things that make this a little bit different. There are different, uh, at least in the Saturn port, I'm not sure about the other versions, but there are different difficulty settings. And the lower the difficulty, the less sort of minutia you've got to manage and the higher difficulty, of course, then you got to get into everything. So I'm talking about things like interest rates and, and your bank balance and payments and all that kind of stuff. So you may not need to deal with quite that level of 
of detail when you're playing sort of the beginner uh, version of the game. And then all kinds of crazy stuff can happen in the game. You know, in SimCity 2000, you had your disasters. Here you've got rides that could break down or even in some cases catch fire or whatever. And, you know, just like with SimCity, you periodically get a report to see how your park is doing potentially in relation to competitors if you've set the game to have any competitors or just with like, you know, how satisfied your customers are with their overall experience, how happy they are, and so on and so forth. So a hardcore simulation game again, just like SimCity 2000, but the theme is building a theme park. Okay, so we'll once again do the roundtable. Uh, I'll start with you, Ben. Did you end up, uh, did you ever play this either on the Saturn or on the PC? I actually played this on the PlayStation. And... Uh... This was one of those um, titles that I picked up years after it had come out when it was in the budget bin, and I was diving for budget titles to try out and just play, and let's just see what we can dig through. Oh, look at that, theme park. I remember hearing about this. Let's give this a whirl. So my experience with this game back in the day was definitely on the PlayStation side. Uh, my friend that had the Saturn never actually got this one for the Saturn. Uh, so I didn't actually experience this for the Saturn until way later. And um, it's definitely an interesting game. It's, it's I guess, what you would call our third game for accountants. Mm. Um, you know, all the things that you can build in this, even if you don't like SimCity 2000, there's a good possibility you're going to enjoy this one. Um, as long as that building uh, infrastructure is something that you enjoy doing in a game. And there's plenty to be done here. This was a fun one to get into, and I, it actually surprised me how much I enjoyed it versus what I was expecting. I share a lot of those sentiments, so I'm curious to see how uh, how the rest of us feel. This is another game that I checked out from the library. Uh, I think that maybe the library really liked to lean into like these kind of semi-educational titles or whatever, or like learning building titles. I don't know, because there seemed to be a lot of them. But yeah, there was Myst, you know, SimCity, Theme Park, looked at the back of the box, saw what kind of looked like a Sim type of game and wasn't prepared to really like the game. But uh didn't take up all my save data, you know, it only, it only <laughs> took up, you know, a fraction of my save data. And actually, my brother and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this game. I dug the premise of a theme park, you know, versus like city management. It was just more up my alley. We love terrorizing the guests, you know, <laughs> like for forcing the, the, the roller coasters to go off the rail or like trapping them people in the park and making them miserable <laughs> like my brother. My brother really enjoyed just, you know, like harassing the the guests, you know, I, I kind of I dug the fact that you could kind of figure out different ways to like soak them for like all their money, you know, <laughs> take all their money and kind of build up your build up this theme park to be like a a really good money making venture. But it ended up being a lot like Disneyland is these days where it's just packed and there are long lines and food is overpriced and everything like that, you know? So it, it really did kind of mirror real life, to be honest. Um, it was a blast. I absolutely loved Theme Park on the Saturn and that's where I played it. Nice. Did you have any experience with the PC uh, uh, original? Or not no? at all. No, okay. not at all. No, I just knew that this was, uh, I was aware, I guess, through reading magazines or whatever, this was a bullfrog uh, Molyneux effort. Um, versus yes. like Maxis, you know, so I did make that distinction because once I 
once I got into it and I was like, oh, I actually like this. What's the, you know, different, oh, it's made by different people, you know? And I don't know, for something, it, for some reason, it just clicked with me. Whereas the Sim games specifically, that that brand of games just didn't, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find that so fascinating. It's, I mean, really conceptually, SimCity 2000 and Theme Park are quite similar, similar. you know? right. And mm-hmm. yet they can draw such a different reaction in folks. Uh, what about you, uh, Nick? I, I realize, again, you know, baby Nick didn't yep. didn't play theme park. In diapers. But, uh, yeah, like where do you stand on theme park? Um, have you tried out the, I realize obviously you played the Saturn uh, version, but have you tried out the PC original? Where's your head at for, for theme park? I briefly played the PC version, uh, you know, and this, this varies based on, you know, specs of PC nowadays are going to run theme park really quick. I don't know how they were back in the 90s. It probably varied a lot. Hmm. But as far as processing speed, game speed, theme park on Saturn is pretty one to one with theme park on PC. Uh, the only mm-hmm. big difference is your resolution is smaller on Saturn. So your your view of what's going mm-hmm. on is smaller on Saturn. Um, but it runs really well. It's very slick. I've never had a problem playing it, you know, as far as technological stuff is concerned. The difference here with SimCity is that there's a lot more cells and a lot more data on SimCity, whereas in Theme Park, the cells are more chunky and they're perhaps not processing as much data in real time as they are in SimCity 2000. Mm. And that probably lent itself to mm-hmm. console ports. Um, the guy that uh, that did the Saturn port, his name is Simeon Pashley. I was unfortunately never able to reach out to him, but like many porting efforts to console, this was basically a one-man effort with some help from the other Bullfrog team. And Pashley really seem to have led the charge with the theme park port he did a very bang up job getting this to work and um yeah i just have a lot of fun with it this is very much i think like dave said a a finance simulation game you know uh some one of you mentioned that you if you're an accountant you're going to really dig it that's (laughs) definitely uh definitely a thing that's going on with theme park um making kids fly off of um, really bad, poorly built roller coasters. They like fly into your camera. They sprite scale into your camera. It's so funny. And uh, you can make them happy. You can overprice the food and make them really upset. You can, you know, exploit people by putting too much salt in food to make it cheaper, but cheaper to produce, but still make the price tag really high. Like there's little things like that that you can do. And, you can ride the you rides. You can ride too. the rides. And and to that note, there's one ride. It's a haunted house. And uh <laughs> there's some like really weird it's stuff a guillotine. in this game. At the end of the haunted house, the camera pans up to a guillotine that falls on you. And like literally, yes. like the the ride kills you. <laughs> like you can I mean, still go back to your park and move around and stuff. It's just like the cutscene literally shows your death. <laughs> and there's like kids in line for it right like it's ridiculous and there's another weird weird like cutscene that they i think they censored this in the saturn version uh to an extent hmm. but if your park if goes bankrupt there's a cutscene that plays oh. um something along the lines of like i know the manual the manual <laughs> says the park has to close your life's work collapses around you and there's only one honorable way out it's a long way down <laughs> and the cutscene that plays oh when you God. lose uh, in some versions of theme park show your character's shadow jumping out of a window isn't that dark uh, tr- trigger like, warning I, you know <laughs> suicide stuff oh. here right but um yes but, right. and i think in the saturn version uh you're i think they don't show the guy like actually going out the window or anything like that it's just like like oh, all right you'll lose like, like yes yeah, it sucks you're yeah. bankrupt whatever but there are literally ports of theme park where they show your 
um, they show that, <laughs> which is so the Genesis, crazy. the Genesis version, I think. I, I, yeah, 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 it's it's very comical. There's a lot of things that are actually funny in ways that don't make you physically upset when you see them. Uh, unlike the ending when you're when you go bankrupt, this game is nuts. Um, they, uh, I did yeah. find that quote in the manual just actually two or three days ago for the first time, and I'm reading this going, "Oh my god, like this is." <laughs> This is pretty hardcore. It's dark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's It's, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for such a sort of happy, and it just, I don't know, you get these vibes of like the the evil clown, right? Like it just, I don't know. It's happy. Everything's good. But is it really? Like it's kind of sadistic underneath all of that veneer of happiness. So, And the art style is that kind of like bubbly 3D kind of weird early 90s, you know? uh tech you know yeah it's 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 cool it's interesting <laughs> to say the least yeah um i did uh i had a roommate way back in the day that uh played this game on saturn religiously i mean yeah. uh, she loved it she you know built multiple theme parks was really into like sort of keeping that balance between you know having enough rides and enough employees and security guards and even like, you can hire these funny like i don't know there's like a shark man and a rhinoceros man or whatever they are and they're little like guys in in uh, costumes that you know i don't know run around and make people happy or whatever like and she really got into it and it was it was it was really neat to see because i was able to watch her play as she was playing it and um my sort of experience observing it was that it ran a heck of a lot better than SimCity 2000 and that even though it was initially a pc game it crossed over to the Saturn better visually than, than SimCity did because mm. the rides were like large sprites. They were colorful. They were, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot more animation. And even though like there was quite a number of sprites of like the park visitors running around and they each had like little bubbles telling you like whether they were hungry or mad or whatever, like it, it all kind of ran pretty well. Like it yeah. was, it was impressive really, you know, even when your park gets big, it doesn't slow down it, it runs good yeah so that was a real plus and you know this uh roommate of mine at the time wasn't a big gamer but this was one game that she really could get into you know and so again you know and she was you know a bit of an accountant head i guess in a way and so you know it kind of goes back to that whole theme of are these are these games really for left brain people yeah you know (laughs) Which ironically, yeah. none of those, I, I don't think too many of that type of gamer was graduating up from the Genesis and, and looking for these types of games on the Saturn. Like that just, right. that wasn't a thing really. Which So it was just this whole, um, these games that we're talking about are very strange from that perspective. They're not aimed at traditional gamers and especially console gamers. Because remember back in the Genesis Super NES days, the console gamer was like, they were really kind of very narrow tastes, right? Like typically with sports, in some cases RPGs and whatever, but games like SimCity and Theme Park, they just weren't a thing for console gaming. But but Theme Park came along and it did just fine. I mean, you know. I mean, the fact that it was on, the fact that there was a version on the Genesis kind of speaks to it it running better on the Saturn. You know, like, I mean, Mm -hmm. if they could pull it off on the Genesis, I don't think Genesis had SimCity, right? I don't think it it? did. I think Super NES did, but I don't think Genesis did. Right. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, and it, it ran pretty well on Genesis too. I be, I've played that on like an EverDrive uh, within the past few years, and it, it was okay. Like it, it came over pretty well. Um, so yeah, it, it ran really well on Saturn. Again, I never played it on PC, but I just uh, 
I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how it like didn't suck, <laughs> you know, like it yeah, actually ran yeah. well, you know, um, any particular memory, like we were talking about some of the sadistic stuff. Is there anything that, uh, while playing the game, anything specific or special that you guys accomplished or like, or like, did you ever get to a point where you could buy multiple parks or how far, like I'll maybe turn over to you again, Ben, like, like I realized this was a, I think you called it a PlayStation. I'm not really quite sure what that is. Yeah, even, that's a weird word. It's a, such that, a. It's, it feels strange on on my tongue as I say it, almost as if I bit into cow manure. But anyways, how far did you uh, did you make it uh, in theme park? Well, I got. Uh, I was building in the PlayStation version for several hours, several, several. I played this game for a good while, and it was a long enough time for when I also played it on the uh, the Saturn to realize the Saturn has more stuff in it, and it sounds better. And I, I don't know exactly what's different about it between the two, really? but but I remember having more options that I, that I don't remember having when I was playing on the PlayStation that the Saturn actually has. But some of the memories that come up from this game is when you don't take care of your rides, they just simply explode. And can you imagine going to a theme park? I I, um, I also like that this game feels like it belongs on the Saturn, whereas SimCity 2000 does not feel like a Saturn game. Yes. Theme park actually feels with its color palette and the way that it plays and the way that uh, you go through, it absolutely feels like it's right at home on Saturn. And I think that's great. That is my sentiments exactly. It just feels like even though it has its roots as a PC title, it feels at home on the Saturn. You can play mm-hmm. it. You can play it with the D-pad. You're going to have fun. It runs fairly smoothly. It's, you know, um, it it works. Um, any other thoughts on Theme Park before we uh, round it out? I just think it's a really fun game that folks should try. Like if So if you're like me and you don't typically like sim games or you don't, that's not your cup of tea, give it a shot anyway. You might actually really enjoy it and you can play the game straight you know you can just you can try to make it the best park and you know make focus on you know customer satisfaction or you could just really mess with the guests you can hide the the exit you know and (laughs) and just have them wandering around endlessly trying to get out of the park you know and put signs up to advertise you know food and and rides and stuff like that and just watch your bank account explode but but yeah basically you can play it either way, you know, um, and sometimes it's just fun to watch the rides break down. <laughs> like Nick was saying, see the kid get hurled into the screen, you know, um, oh God. it's a lot of fun if you're sadistic. Is that a recommendation then for the Saturn port, Dave? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. All right. Uh, what would you say, Nick? I'd say that, you know, I mean, theme park was very popular in Europe, especially. And the Saturn port was pretty did pretty well there, too. Outside of Europe, I'd say this is a hidden gem on Saturn. Give this a shot. It runs super well. The interface is very slick. Give yourself a few like dummy parks that you'll burn through at first before you like take one seriously. And once you learn the game and figure out how to invest in rides and figure out the finance balance, uh, you'll be oversalting your snacks to force your guests to buy overpriced drinks in no time. Right. I don't think it was a hidden gem in Japan, though, right? They they got no, like a they got their own version of it. Yeah, I, I'm not right. I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure with how well it did, but theme parks on Saturn got its own specialized Japanese port with like Sakura blossoms in the background and stuff. Like, yeah, 
Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, ben, would you recommend this uh, for the for the Saturn port? Yeah. Well, remember, I got this as a budget title, not expecting much from it and got a lot of enjoyment from it. And so it was so much so that after playing the PlayStation, when that years later, I did buy the one for the Saturn and I played several hours through the Saturn version. So that kind of tends to tell me that this is a well done game. This is something I do recommend. Uh, And if you like anything from, I don't know, Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing, if if just kind of that slower paced game is something you like, this is something you should try. Or if you like games that you like where you have to manage, this is absolutely something you like to try. Or just if you want to be sadistic and just kind of make people's lives miserable, (laughs) it's got it there for you too. Nice. And it's like a $40 long box. So if you collect, it's not that bad still. Um, or you yep. can get the Japanese version too. Yeah. So, but definitely try it, you know, sounds like we've got uh, solid positive recommendations all the way around. All right. That's it for theme park. Right, let's uh, let's dive into the last game on our list, and this is the only one that came out in 1996. But still, it was March 96, so still fairly early on in the game in the year. And I'm talking about Magic Carpet. So Magic Carpet is another Bullfrog PC title, which came out in 1994 with an expansion pack that hit in 1995, and then the Saturn game, of course, came out in 1996 March in the West. It ultimately came out in Japan as well, but six months later. So this was a case where the Western release came out uh, first. So you are a uh, magic carpet flying fellow who is... The goal is to restore equilibrium or balance with the mana of that particular map or that level. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. way you do that is you have to run around and you have to collect mana, which are like these these orbs that just sort of lie, uh, lie around on the ground. You get them from defeating enemies. You can find them, whatever. You've got to first convert that or claim it. And so it becomes your color. And then you've got these balloons that you send out to collect that mana and bring it back to your castle. Um, in later levels, there are like uh, competing wizards that are going to try to take the mana for themselves. And so you've got to sort of fight them off. And it's a, it's like a first person carpet flying simulator with like a resource management or, or capture the flag type gameplay behind it. So a super interesting uh, game. Uh, did really well on PC, and then, of course, it came to the Saturn. Um, I'll start with me this time. I did enjoy this game quite a lot on the Saturn. I thought that the 3D engine was actually quite good for an early Saturn game. It does share an engine, of course, with um, high octane. So you've got that sort of grid-like uh, fading in effect. And the the geometry, the, the land itself, of course, is 3D. But a lot of the enemies, trees, shrubs, little villages, whatever you may find, even humans, they're all little tiny sprites. And it, it moves at a fairly good rate. So you're able to, you know, fly around and the, the engine keeps up really well. And it's a very, you know, very interesting sort of experience. Although while you're playing it, you can definitely tell that this was something that was initially made for uh, for the PC. Um, so I'll do the rounds again just to see have you played it on PC, have you played it on Saturn and just general thoughts. And I'll maybe start with you, Nick. Yeah. So again, I didn't really get to play Magic Carpet. I didn't really have time to try this out. 
Um, but just anecdotally speaking, you know, I've you know, done some research into the release date stuff, and this was Bullfrog's last uh, Saturn game, at least for the North American region. And they did have plans to port uh, Dungeon Keeper and Syndicate Wars. Both of those would eventually get canceled, making Magic Carpet their Bullfrog's final uh, Saturn game before they stopped supporting the console. Uh, Dave, did you get to play this game while it was current? Yeah, actually. So this is one of the few games that I rented for DOS, actually, or checked out for DOS from the library. Wow. <laughs> I really, I went to, yeah. So they had, they had the game for DOS and it came with 3D glasses, right? And uh, mm-hmm. it was it was cool. Like it was really, it ran really well. It uh, it had like water reflections. It had pretty good uh, frame rate. It had uh, slick graphics. It, I I remember at the time it being kind of lauded for the graphics and stuff like that. So it was only subsequent that I would play it on the Saturn and kind of have impressions about that. But yeah, from an initial standpoint, um, it seemed like an impressive game to me. But the gameplay itself was kind of, uh, well, you know, Molyneux makes a certain type of game. You, there was another one called like Black and White, which had a similar vibe to it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just it was just kind of like repetitive, you know, go collect the mana, put in your castle, defeat those black worms. Um, mm-hmm. it was yep. just, yeah. So, so anyway, it was, it, <clears throat> again, it might not be for everybody, but it was a technical spectacle, I guess at the time, like 94 or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you, do you feel the Saturn version sort of, uh, holds up compared to the PC game or like, you know, is it a good sort of port? Is not, it an experience? Not really. Like I, I wouldn't say that folks shouldn't give it a try on Saturn, but here's the thing. Folks in like, you know, social media or whatever and Facebook or whatever uh, chat forums and stuff like that will often say, oh, well, you know, here's a game and they'll be referencing the Saturn version that was like really lauded for, you know, the technology that was going on under the hood and, you know, how it rendered the topography and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But really, they're referring to the PC version. You know, it was the PC version that did all that stuff. And then when it came over to the Saturn, it lost a lot of that. Like there are no reflections on the water the frame rate is reduced dramatically. Uh, so it's kind of a chugger, you know, and then on top of that, the controls are really hard to come to grips with. Like they are, that's it, true. It is an, it is an acrobatic feat for your hands to try to, it takes like 10 minutes or more just to kind of come to grips with the controls. And it never feels natural even after that, you know, it just never feels natural. So I don't know, like it's a, it's an interesting footnote, you know, but, uh, well, I was just thinking like, this game would really work with the mission stick. Not that it supports it. Oh, totally. Not enough games support the mission stick. It's so no, good. definitely not. It kind of inspires me to see that they that it's possible to add mission stick support into games like you know uh, Stellar Assault. You know, that, like when it wasn't there. Like it just makes me wonder if the the homebrew community like could uh, make something like that happen. I don't mm-hmm. know, but you're absolutely right because when it comes to you know bringing that game from pc over to the saturn something like the mission stick as an input device makes a lot of sense doing it with the with the d-pad just it's not fun it's kind of frustrating and again like really take a look go on youtube or whatever take a look at the game running on pc or like on dos you know and then look at the the saturn version you'll see what i mean about how like certain assets just really get chunky 
the 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 enemies don't move as smoothly everything that's impressive about the game that people talk about so much is really in in regard to the pc version i think and i own a copy of the saturn version you know i felt like it was an important enough game to own a copy of but again i it ends up being kind of like filler on the shelf to be honest which is too bad because I don't think it deserves that fate, you know? Right, It's right. enjoyable enough for what it is, I suppose. Um, ben, did you give this game a try back in the day? And was it on PC or, or Saturn or other? Actually, no. The, uh, the time that I played this game was way later on the Saturn. I never actually played it on the PC or anything else. But my experience with this game on the Saturn was first, it was a, a really pretty game. Even though I never saw the reflections of the PC version, I thought for the Saturn that it was, you know, doing pretty well, graphically speaking. Um, where I had trouble, and I'm glad that everybody else did, was the controls. The controls were really tough to get used to. And uh, I just kind of assumed that was just part of the game where mm-hmm. you just had a really hard time controlling this thing. But aside from that, I thought it was very pretty. It had a lot of interesting enemies once you start to get into it for a bit. Um, shooting your little fireballs at everything from buildings to trees to people to dragons to whatever else. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, you know... It, it, so a couple interesting bits I want to mention about this game. First of all, the Japanese title, uh, the Japanese conversion came out six months after the North American, and it actually included support for the 3D control pad. Now, and it even came out like either as a standalone title that you can pick up in Japan, or it came as a boxed set with the 3D control pad, which is really unusual. Um, but uh, it. I have not been able to track down either a physical copy of the Japanese game or even an image. So I can't attest to how well the 3D control pad is implemented or if that really makes a solid difference to the gameplay. Because that would, to me, that would be a very, very interesting change to how you potentially interact with the game. And then secondly, the game's levels are numbered from 1 through 50, but there are actually only 45 levels in the game. Apparently, when they were getting ready to release the PC game, five of the levels ended up being cut. And so they're just they're numerically just missing and that transferred over to the Saturn and other versions as well. So crazy (laughs) um, five missing levels because they were just cut late enough that numerically they weren't reordered. And so I think level nine, for example, is one that's missing. So you'll literally go to level seven, level eight, and then level 10 and then nine is missing. And on the PC box anyways, it does advertise uh, 50 levels, but you, you only get, you only get 45. All right, let's do some some roundtable recommendations, uh, and then we'll wrap up with uh, Magic Carpet. Um, Dave, I'll start with you. Do you do you recommend it? So I definitely recommend folks play the PC version if they can. If the Saturn, you know, if you're a huge Saturn fan and you want to, you know, delve through the library, you know, definitely give it a try and see what you think. I think you will agree that the controls are a bit frustrating. They're a bit ham-fisted, I guess. And it just, you know, does lose something in terms of graphic fidelity, frame rate, special effects, you know. And yet, the Saturn version got really good reviews, like back in the day. I wouldn't give it that kind of score these days. But again, that could just be, you know, how it's held up versus, you know, how people saw it at the time. I still think that people should maybe give it a try. But definitely go in knowing that it's a significant downgrade from the PC version. And since you could pretty much play either, I would probably recommend playing the PC version. 
Okay. Uh, ben, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think this is an interesting game in principle that if you haven't played it, it's one of those that's so unique enough that you should try it, even on the Saturn. But uh, if you have the PC capability to play it, it sounds like you should play it there. Like I say, I've never played it on PC. But on the Saturn, I was pleased enough with the way that it played. Aside, you know, a little difficulty of the controls aside, uh, that this was an interesting game that I, I had fun with it when I was playing it. Nice. Okay, and then my my thoughts is it is a fun game if you're willing to put a little bit of time into, certainly not as much as some of the more simmy games need, but it's an interesting game you know, from that Wild West 90s time where people were trying all kinds of different uh, game mechanics. If you can learn the controls, then I think you'll do just fine. And with that, that brings us to uh, the end of these four early PC ports. And we hope that you've all enjoyed listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. as we come to the end of the podcast I just, you know, I want to say thanks to each and every one of you who support us on a monthly basis through Patreon. It means the world to us. It really does mean that the content that we produce you know, could be better both visually and the way it sounds not to mention the way it feels and smells and even tastes, you know Um, It really does make a world of difference to us, and we are so very, very grateful. So with that, I just want to um, shout out our patrons. Nate Lawrence, A Murder of Crows, Ioannis Fetz, Shadow Mask, Emerald Nova, Chris Piper, Daniel Fredrickson, Theron Brown, David Zaney, Sega Steve, Chris1997XX, Stoneman, Justin, Gem Clash or Rank, Cerulean, Normal Guy, Robert Ramsey, Nutrageous, Blue Moon 95, Tanuki Trev, Rowan Dinch, Fat Drunk Friend Otaku, Derek Pascarella, Mamdu Madwar, and Young Money Sway. Again, folks, you are heroes, and thank you so much for your help. PC game offerings were quite different compared to what could be played on dedicated console in the 1990s. PCs were, after all, you know, a work and business tool, but they had their advantages, especially their huge stores of memory and their higher resolution. Just as the Alex Kids and Sonics of the World were the console's bread and butter, some games were just made perfect for the PC. With the rise of 32-bit machines, some of the bigger titles made the crossover to console to varying degrees of success. 
And while we only covered four titles today, there were so many others, particularly corridor shooters. Dated though these PC to Saturn ports may now seem, at the time, they brought a certain amount of prestige to the Saturn. Not to mention bringing games across at a time where Saturn releases were still a bit on the low side. And as PC technology advanced over the decades, these classic games have become harder and harder to play in their original forms. And from that perspective, the Saturn conversions remain evergreen. Just plug and play. That's it for today, folks. On behalf of Dave, Pat, Ben, Nick, and myself, we hope you've enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you on the next one, where we dive into the three games that Treasure released on the Saturn. Thanks for tuning in. You know what you must go do now, right? You must go play your Sega Saturn. about the fact that it was slower maybe they noticed it but they were they were more noticing the fact that oh hey sim city's on my home console now this is fucking sweet and that's really all they cared about at the time this is fucking sweet fucking sweet this is this is fucking sweet sim city's on my home console now fucking sweet i'll buy myself this 400 dollars saturn fucking sweet i'm gonna check out any saturn game that's available you know you fucking sweet this is fucking sweet. So a hardcore simulation game with fucking sweet. Fucking fucking sweet. I actually played this on the PlayStation. Theme park on Saturn is fucking sweet. SimCity's fucking sweet. Your brother's trapped in books. Fucking sweet. Magic carpet. Fucking sweet. This is this is fucking sweet. Fucking sweet. This is fucking sweet, 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 sweet. But just anecdotally speaking, this is fucking sweet, fucking sweet. This podcast is a Shiro Media Group production.